whether or not we all realize it, those of us who serve the Lord are participating in the most epic adventure of all time, space, and history. I think it's about time that we start celebrating the miraculous and wonderful ways that God touches our lives in everyday circumstances. I'm Karen Pennington, and this is Daily Adventures in Grace. Hey friends, Karen Pennington here, and I had a really fun time last night. Uh, yesterday was October 31st, Halloween, and our church did an outreach uh, to the community. We called it a harvest party. We try really hard to balance that whole being in the world but not of the world thing. We try to be evangelistic, which means we need to get out there instead of just staying in the church and praying. Praying's good, <laughs> but we need to do more than just that. We need to pray and have our prayer lead to action, loving, getting in the world. I, I don't know if you know, the word apostle has the word post in it. It means one who's sent. So we want to be one who's with Jesus and also one who's sent. So ones who are sent. My English is horrible this morning. Well, so anyways, in that whole balance, we did give out candy. We did allow costumes. We ourselves did not we we st stood away from like the spooky stuff, the undead stuff, anything that would be associated with evil. I do not feel like candy is evil unless you eat a whole bunch of it, but you eat too much of anything and that can be evil. But candy itself is sort of amoral, but we even we blessed the candy. Uh we we prayed over everything that we were giving out. We handed out crosses. It was it was really just a fun event. We had hundreds of people come by and um it was just a neat way to have fun in a kind of a practical way when people were already out to just say, hey, God loves you, so do we. Uh, we give out tracts. There was prayer time. It was really a fun thing, but um, <laughs> kind of the unexpected fun thing for us was our trunk. Now, for those of you that don't know what trunk or treat is, it's an alternative to trick-or-treating where like in a church, a lot of times it's in a church parking lot. Sometimes they do it at schools. Um, in a church parking lot, people will drive in and use the trunk of their car to give out candy, but they sometimes there's themes. So there was actually a contest who had the most interesting trunk. And we, my husband and I accidentally won that contest. <laughs> we weren't trying to win the contest. We weren't even trying to be that creative. But uh, we were being lazy. I'm going to be honest, we were lazy. My husband hunts all the time, especially these last, like last week, this week. He gets out there as much as he can. So our trunk has been totally overtaken if I want to do a large grocery shopping um run I'm out of luck during the month of November because it is overtaken by all of this hunting stuff so I was thinking okay six to eight you're getting up super early in the morning to hunt honey I don't want you to have to completely rearrange the back of the car I don't want you to have to you know take all your hunting stuff out for this trunk or treat stuff and he's like well, why don't we do a hunting theme? So we did this hunting theme and um, anybody that knows anything about hunting, I know very little, but there's this camouflage you use. Like he has like these almost like blankets, but not quite that he puts up and he actually will put like brush from wherever he's going into the blanket so that he can sort of camouflage and blend into the environment so the deer don't see him. He even has this suit it's called a ghillie suit. It kind of makes him look like a bush. It's all but like his eyes. He can even cover his face with this black thing. And so again, he can, it, it, it's kind of camouflagey looking, but he can also put like 
brush and bushes and he really just looks like a human bush when he wears it so he's like that's what we'll do i put on i actually wore his clothes last night which were nice and warm and so i was all camouflagey and we put things up and we even had we had like a jesus theme we ended up saying we we're targeting uh christ love targeting hearts and we had that all in like the orange you know the safety color um over so the thing that showed up over the all of this brush and all the camouflage was targeting hearts for Jesus. And we had um, some scripture there and some people actually, that was encouraging to me that people like, even the spooky costumes that came in were reading the scripture. But the funniest thing, we were trying really hard not to be spooky, scary, celebrate fear. But there is a difference, I would say, between celebrating fear like I'm afraid of death or ongoing fear and just kind of making people jump, you know, when you go, boo, you know, so, so basically what my husband ended up doing most of the night at first he resisted it. Then he said, Oh, this is fun. Is playing an adult game of peekaboo. He had this ghillie suit on and we were, you know, it was getting dark, even though it was lit up and between our like bluish greenish car, which was opened and so there's black background and then he has this camouflage on and then there's camouflage in front of him and you can see these orange things that are like have Jesus and the cross and everything. But people would come by and they would see me and then he'd be like, have a blessed night or you can take two pieces of candy. And he would do it and they go, oh, because <laughs> they never knew that my favorite was a lady that just started talking back to him and then went. Oh, snap. She didn't realize, like, I've been talking to a bush for a minute. <laughs> she didn't realize that she, I'm talking to a human bush. That's that's a person. And uh, another one, woo! It was like, uh, if you've ever seen that show Just for Laughs, where people just kind of startle people just to go, woo! And it was kind of like that sort of thing. And we decided that's okay. There's a difference between we don't want people to be afraid of hell. We don't want people to be afraid of Satan. We don't want people to celebrate reveling in darkness. But it's okay if some if a human bush startles a grown up and makes us laugh. So, so that's what we were that's what we were doing. I think there was you know there was this underlying message: God loves you. We loves you. We love you. We can have fun. I'm not sure how much the people got of we can have fun without being spooky and creepy, but I do think they got the we love you thing. But what stuck out to me was how much. Ben ended up sneaking up on somebody and they were walking straight up to him and not even seeing he was there. They were right in the middle of this scene, looking at everything, reading the words and not knowing that there was a human being standing right there. And um, in this case, it was kind of fun, but it reminded me of a hunter that we really do need to watch out. And that's that's the devil, you know, the Satan and the Satan. <laughs> Actually, it's Hasatan means the accuser in, in Hebrew. But um, in Peter, First Peter, this is again New Rice Standard Version, fifth chapter, verse eight uh, says, "Discipline yourselves and keep alert. Like a roaring lion, your adversary, the devil, prowls around looking for someone to devour. Resist him steadfast in your faith, for you know that your brothers and sisters in the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering." So. Ben was not the first person to sneak up on someone. Ben was not the first person to be there and you didn't notice him there. Um, of course, we know God is always around. We can always call on him. Uh, I think we forget, particularly Christians sometimes, as Christians sometimes, how well Satan can disguise himself. And that was one of the concerns, even going into our trunk retreat, to make sure that Satan 
was that we were not just disguising Satan. We were just not disguising evil and calling it fun in the name of the church, that we were really doing something different than celebrating evil and worshiping evil and um, bowing to evil. And that's still a tough question, but you know, we were, we were definitely on our guard last night. We were praying. There was, we were praying, we were speaking stuff, speaking into it. We were conversing and trying to listen and we were really trying to pay attention. So I'm going to say that I'm not saying we're perfect, that as a church, I was very, very happy to be part of people that were really trying to be a light in the darkness. But it just, I'm, my husband's, it's still sticking out. He had more fun than he thought he would realize. And we're like, we're, we're not going to do it to little kids. But when a grown up comes by, he might just start talking to them. He didn't even yell. He just started talking. Whoa! <laughs> but, but Satan really does that, only he doesn't start he doesn't tell you who he is. He's not going to self-identify ever. He's never going to say, this is Satan. You're not really talking. I mean, you need to know I'm here. He's always going to be in that camouflage in the background, um, shooting arrows at you that you don't, you may not know where they come from. In fact, that whole thing is, um, I talked a couple weeks about ago about how the Viet Cong in, in Vietnam War, they would do something called, I think it's cussing, cutting the pie, where they would come inside enemy lines just enough that they would make a noise or something. And it was so dark that the people that were guarding the outside were actually shooting each other because they would hear a noise. They wouldn't see who was there and they would shoot towards any kind of movement, which ended up being they'd shoot each other. And that is that not what we do as Christians? A lot of times we we shoot at each other. We shoot at something that's we shoot at people. We we don't see where the enemy is. We can't find the enemy. And so we get the closest thing to us that we can see, which is the one that we love. And we're not really the enemies. I have to say last week, I fell to this. I Maybe all month, I realized that I had been dealing with this spirit of offense where uh, it's pretty strong spirit. And You know, somebody can be somebody and be that way all the time. And then all of a sudden you're offended. Like everybody and everything was getting on my nerves. It wasn't that they had gotten worse. I just was super, super offended and like practicing people's offenses towards me. And so just praying. And a lot of them were people who love the Lord. I don't know that I agree necessarily with one thing that they said or another thing or how they were doing it, even though they were thinking that they were right. And, um, but I just was super. And I realized I have this spirit of offense. I really had to be convicted of it and pray about it and relent of it. And even now I, th- I think it was pressing in on me. It's like, but look at who, what this person did. Look at what this person did. That was offensive. And then just when I think I got rid of it, somebody else would say, did you see what so-and-so did? And um, it's crazy because it sets up the people that are supposed to be on our side as our enemies. And quite frankly, not even the people that come against us are our real enemies. Um, Peter wrote this. I, I felt really strongly. I wanted to read all of first Peter this morning. Because I'm like, where is this whole be on alert for your enemy, the devil, goes around seeking who he may devour? And uh, Peter wrote this, um, the Apostle Peter wrote the book of 1 Peter uh, with the help of Silas uh, right around the early 60s AD. Now, I'll tell you, they had a very, Christians had a very real and visible enemy. And that was uh, Nero, you know, basically the most famous anti-Christian in the entire span of all history. I mean, he burned them alive. He sacrificed, I mean, he sacrificed them to lions in front of raging crowds. He, you know, 
as the story goes, he set Rome on fire and blamed the Christians for it. I don't, I mean, just, he was really, really had a hard time, particularly the last 10 years of his reign, which was two thirds of his reign. And he was not nice to the Christians. <laughs> and Peter wrote to the Christians, there's a big long list of where it was, Cappadocia, Galatia, Pontius, uh, Bithynia and Asia Minor, I think, which, right, that would be modern-day Turkey. So, um, they really know how to persecute Christians in that area, I'll tell you what. It started out at the beginning of the church, and then the church started to thrive. Um, a lot of the books of the Bible and the New Testament are written to these areas. Galatia, Cappadocia, um, Bithynia, all really right around modern-day Turkey. Um, Paul wrote a lot of his letters there, but they had a very real physical enemy. They had a very real physical enemy. Peter knew about this real physical enemy. He was murdered, they say executed, by this very real physical enemy that's Nero. And there was a lot of persecution, and there was a lot of external stuff happening. But ironically, Peter said, submit to authorities. It's going to glorify God if you suffer for doing good. It's better for you to suffer for doing good. It's better for you to suffer for doing what God calls you to do than to go break a bunch of laws and suffer for that. Um, unnecessary laws. So, you know, of course, they didn't like you being a Christian. That was against the law in some places. But, you know, in terms of doing what your master tells you to do, in terms of cleaning the floor, when they say clean the floor, go do this when you get that. Um, children doing what your parents tell you. Wives doing what your husbands do to you. That's still a hard one for me sometimes if I think my husband's acting dumb to submit but as it probably is for him <laughs> to consider me when he doesn't like what I'm doing but uh so he was still saying submit to authorities this was like the worst authority in all human history against Christians and he's saying submit to them and then he talks about his enemy. You would think he'd talk about Nero. Be careful, Nero's coming for you. But he didn't say that. He said, that's not your real enemy. You know, the Apostle Paul wrote a bunch of letters right around the same time in the early 60s. One of them was to Ephesus, which was also, it was a specific church in a specific city in Asia Minor, which is also Turkey. And... Um, he said in Ephesians 6.12, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the principalities. So in this time of intense persecution, where people were literally being ripped apart, literally being ripped apart, you know, and executed and persecuted in all different kinds of ways and where they sometimes had to fear for their lives just for praying to God, often had to fear for their lives just for praying to the one true God. He was saying, this isn't your enemy. They're not your real enemy. Um, and it, it amazes me even now, like Voice of the Martyrs, the uh, founder of Voice of the Mar Martyrs, the very people that was hurting him, those were the people, um, the Russians that came in. I think it was Hungary. I'm going to feel bad if I was wrong with that. To that founder, um, he was praying for them. He was leading them to the Lord, the ones that weren't beating him. Sometimes the ones that were beating him ended up being led to the Lord and because he recognized they're not my real enemy. It's kind of humbling to me. Somebody called me blind and said I was participating with Satan the other day. And I really felt like she was my enemy for saying that for a minute. She, I can't handle somebody dissenting in a way that hurts my ego. Saying don't participate with Satan because she thought 
she disagreed with something I was doing and she thought she was helping me out and someone giving an opinion that she thinks is being helpful and love and I think I set her up as an enemy for a minute that whole spirit of offense I still don't have to agree with her opinion I can understand that she was trying to love and I disagree with her and I've had people that pointedly went against me you know person who went on a whole um, campaign to get me fired when I hadn't done anything wrong. I was actually doing, I was actually working more than a lot of people in the company. And that's part of the reason she was on a campaign to get me fired. And there's nothing good in that. She's not my enemy. You know, I know of a woman who went right after my family for years, attacked in, in the attempt just to split up my family. And she's not my enemy. Those are all people who need God. In an earthly sense, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Okay, she wasn't being my friend, but she's not my real enemy. My that, That's not my real battle. My real battle is against flesh and blood. No government is my real enemy. My real enemy isn't somebody in Washington. It's somebody who's trying to sit right next to me. Somebody who's trying to hide in the shadows and act like he's very the very part of the nature of what I'm with and who I'm with. Don't, don't, don't you think that Satan doesn't hide himself inside the churches? We can tell him to leave. He's got to leave. Got to recognize he's there first, you know. Nobody would know to tell my husband to go away. He's not going to, it's his car. Nobody would know to tell my husband to go away if they didn't know he was sitting right there, you know. In the ghillie suit. <laughs> Satan has some great ghillie suits. He um, dresses himself up as righteousness. He's really self-righteousness. He dresses himself up as caution, as sober-mindedness, but he's really fear. He dresses himself up as holiness. He doesn't, he isn't really holiness. You know, my husband really wasn't a bush. He just made himself look like one. He really wasn't the brush. He just made himself look like it. Nobody has more costumes than Satan. And, um, if he can do that and fit in and not catch our eye, we can know something's wrong and blame everything around us but him. Or take convictions that we ourselves are looking at the wrong thing. It's not Satan's fault when we sin. It just means he won that minute, that little battle. So... I love this prescription. I want to read just a couple of verses because there's a good progression. He starts 1 Peter 5 by talking about submitting. Who wins by losing? Who wins by surrendering? Well, we do. By submitting to God first and foremost and the authorities placed in front of us. Because in submitting, we're leaning into the right thing. We're stepping on the right foundation. And then he says, humble yourselves. Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you in due time that means we may suffer a little bit but it's a faith bank you know it said in my last post god satan can't take from you anything you don't give him he can borrow it for a little bit but then in due time you'll get it back with interest he has to give it back to you with interest he has to just as he did with job you have to get it back as long as you're not surrendering as long as you're surrendering to god God will make you get it back. Um, then discipline yourselves. So humble yourselves, then discipline yourselves. 
Oh, I forgot. Cast all your anxiety on him for he cares for you. Humble yourselves before God. Tell him what you're worried about so that your concern doesn't need to turn into overarching fear. You know, the idea of fear is supposed to be that knee-jerk response, like the funny thing that happens when you're like, whew. It's that thing where if you see a car coming, you pull back. You know, it's that knee-jerk response that keeps you from imminent danger. It's supposed to be momentary. And then that's it. And then you think. It's what happens before you have time to think. But then you think. But if everything in life is a knee-jerk reaction to everything and not actual fear and not actual danger, then we put ourselves in more danger. So it says, humble yourselves. Cast all your anxiety on him. Tell God about what you're feeling. Pay attention to what you're feeling. Discipline yourselves and stay alert. Discipline yourselves and stay alert. So when we're submitted to God first, then we can pay attention to stuff like that. You know, we were in dim light last night, so it was even harder to see my husband. But if you were looking for him, you could have found him. If you're really paying attention to something other than... They were looking for the candy. And the candy was over on the side. And it was away from where my husband was. If you're looking for the treats... You may miss the trick. You know what I'm saying? Um, Discipline yourselves. Keep alert like a roaring lion. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around looking for someone to devour. And so then you resist him. We're alert enough to notice something's there instead of just focusing on that this is what I want. Okay, God, I'm surrendered to you. I am telling you these are the things that I'm worried about, but I'm giving them to you. And I'm going to be sober-minded and pay attention to what's going on in front of me. Not out of fear. You can say caution, but not because I'm afraid, because I don't have to be afraid because I'm alert and I have God on my side. So when I see something, I can surrender it to God or I can tell it to go away in the authority of Christ. I can do that so I don't really have to be afraid. Resist him. Steadfast in your faith, for you know your brothers and sisters and all the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. We're not alone. And here's the great thing. When all of this happens, after you've suffered for a a little while, now this guy knew about suffering. There might be somebody watching this in some part of the world that knows about suffering, that sees people being ripped apart. Americans, we only know a little about it. We get our feelings hurt. We have to wear things we don't want to wear. Some of us are losing jobs. I'm not saying any of that is easy. But we're still eating. We're still in a place to live. We still have relative safety. We still don't have to fear jail or being ripped apart by lions. You know... So and after you've suffered for a little while, the God of grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. Now, this isn't just the end cap for this passage. This is the end cap for the whole letter because after that is to him be powered forever and ever. Amen. Truly. So be it. It's done. Close the book. Drop the mic. This whole book, he was telling people not how to win over Nero. Might have been helpful. Not how to force their way in the world. Not how to prove to everybody that they're right and people are wrong. Those all seem very reasonable to me. It was how to be holy even in suffering. It was how to be persistent. And yes, be stubborn. But choose what we're stubborn about. <laughs> to be stubborn about the fact that you're not going to change my beliefs. You're not going to change my kindness. You're not going to change who I am in Christ. And I am going to look out. And I am going to pay attention. Heavens, if I can avoid Nero, I will. 
If I can avoid earthly punishment, I will, but not at the cost of Christ. I'm not going to avoid it by doing something that crucifies Christ all over again because Nero is not my enemy. That person who offended me or cut me off is not my enemy. That government that I disagree with or agree with or whatever, they're not my enemy, nor are they my savior. God's my savior. And my enemy is anything that keeps me from God. And that's not a person. That's an influence of a spiritual principality. And guess what? They already lost. So we're not going to... One of my goals every day, biggest one, that surrender, that living for God. I do some, I do it better some days than others. But secondary to that is as I surrender to God, I don't want to give Satan an inch. He doesn't own it. And when I know I've given him an inch, like that spirit of uh, offense, I want to take it back because it's not his. It's God's, right? I'm in it for the end game. Are you in it for the end game? And let's really test our hearts. I'll tell you, I couldn't even post Friday morning because I was so angry. I'm, I'm glad I don't have this thing where I have to post every day. I try to, but I didn't know how I could be authentic But because I, I tried to post three or four times and all I was talking about was this person that offended me and how she was wrong and I was right. And Every single time I started, I had to stop. I'm like, that's horrible. This is not from the Lord. So I had to stop and take a couple days to get my own heart right. I mean, now if I had to post, I probably could have posted about something else. Not that, but I, because I was just. That was a ground that enemy had taken and I needed to get it back. So is the enemy taking any ground in your life? Is there an offense? Is there a fear? Is there a prideful plan that you're not willing to give up? Is there something? Is he sitting right there and you don't... Where is Satan sitting? Where is something other than God sitting in your life that looks real good? But if you pay close enough attention, you just know it's not right. I can't tell you what it is. But I think if you really think about it, you probably know. So let's surrender that to God today. And God, keep revealing to me the ghillie suit enemy. <laughs> keep revealing that to me, God, because I want to take back, I want you to take back all of your ground, Lord. It belongs to you. I don't want to give Satan anything at all. So I look forward to growing in you today, Lord. And may we all grow in you and in your grace. In your name, amen. Be blessed, my friends. And may you see God everywhere. Thank you.